Welcome back to Drive Time Devotionals. Hey, whether you're driving, riding, or on the treadmill, I hope these teachings are encouraging you. This is episode 16, and we'll begin learning the second Kingdom Come prayer, which is also from the book of Ephesians. Remember, the outline for praying that Jesus gave us begins with us acknowledging that God is our Father and that He is holy, completely different from us. Then the first request in that prayer outline we are to ask for is for God's kingdom to come. Your kingdom come is not a phrase we simply repeat. Kingdom come praying is how we ask God for the things He wants to do in and through us. It is how we pray according to God's perfect will. Kingdom come praying is what Jesus meant on that Holy Thursday night in the garden when he promised his disciples that whatever they ask the Father, if it is in alignment with his will and his words, he will do it. These episodes about kingdom come praying come largely from my book, How to Ask God for What He Wants to Give You. You can purchase it at Amazon or any other online book retailer. In the book, there are questions at the end of each chapter for small groups or couple studies or any Bible study. And I've put a leader's guide on my website, billsimpson.org, to help you walk through those questions. You can also access that page at howtoaskgod.com. So either billsimpson.org or howtoaskgod.com. I've also added in the book examples for each of these prayers and a summary for the followers' prayer outline. It's a tear-out. And as long as I have been using these prayers, and it's been many years... I still need this little cheat sheet. I keep one in my Bible and another one at work. And with my road rage temptations, it would do me well to keep one on my sun visor. Today, we're going to look at the second kingdom come prayer, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. Here it is. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Think for a moment about how the Spirit of God led the Apostle Paul in writing this letter. Coming out of the first prayer in chapter 1, he then explained the immeasurable riches of God's grace to his people in forgiving their sins and making them to be his holy nation, members of God's very household. The truths that Paul articulated so majestically between the two prayers are precisely what propelled him into the second prayer. The first prayer was a request for the Father to give us His Spirit, who has all wisdom and revelation, so that we can know Him more personally, and thus better understand His hope, His inheritance, and His power that is ours in Christ. The verses between the two prayers are especially rich doctrines, such as, We were dead to God because of our sins. He saved us when we were in rebellion to Him. He has made His mystery known to us. We could never earn his forgiveness. We are rescued by his grace through faith. We have been created as God's masterpiece. We have been made to do good deeds. We are being built up with all other believers. Alienated people are made one in Christ. The people of God are in Christ Jesus. 
we have bold, confident, direct access to God. It will be helpful for you to study the verses that bridge these two prayers. Like the first prayer, the second prayer has been interpreted differently depending on the translators. Some take this passage as having multiple requests, but none of these interpretations are inherently wrong. The original wording is quite technical, which makes it very difficult to know for certain. Because of the close connection, however, between the various phrases in the passage, it is probably best to understand this prayer as one request with three purposes, similar to Paul's first prayer in chapter 1. Further reasoning for this understanding of one request is found in the fourth kingdom come prayer in Colossians chapter 1. Ephesians and Colossians are parallel letters written by Apostle Paul at the same time when he was in Rome in prison. The prayer in Colossians is much shorter and it contains two requests, to be filled with the knowledge of God's will and to be strengthened with all of his power. We'll explore this prayer in later episodes. The Colossians prayer represents a shorter version of the two prayers in Ephesians as they share the same basic requests. The Ephesian prayers can also be considered one prayer with two parts that parallel the prayer in Colossians chapter 1. The Spirit inspired Paul with very descriptive words in this beautifully worded second kingdom come prayer. I'll refer to this prayer as the second prayer when most likely it is simply the second portion of Paul's continual prayer for the believers in the church in Ephesus. You'll see Paul prayed differently for the believers in the different churches. In his diligent praying for those believers, he certainly would have combined the first prayer with this one. We can think of the verses in between the two prayers as kind of like the lettuce, tomatoes, cheese, and ham of this delicious prayer sandwich. The two prayers are like bookends that hold between them some of the richest truths in all of Scripture. So again, I encourage you to read that sometime. The introduction to the second portion of this prayer is in chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. For what reason? Why did Paul and his team focus so much on their time and emotional energies on praying for the believers in these various churches? The reason is that God has done a marvelous thing in rescuing people out of the dark domain and bringing them together into his son's kingdom as his people. He knows each one's name and he knows their family's names. God's calling is very individualistic. It's by name. Each person is called out by name to become part of this gigantic and hugely diverse family of God. He knows us all by name. That is the wider reason. The apostle also wrote that he bowed down to pray. This doesn't mean that bowing is the only stance we should ever take when praying. In Paul's day, the normal stance for praying for the Jews was standing up. The Spirit influenced Paul and his team to often kneel when they prayed as a practical way of demonstrating their humility before God and their passion for the people for whom they were praying. Their commitment to these believers and their deep dependence on their Lord frequently drove them to their knees for prayer. Let me suggest that you practice different positions when you pray. Try standing on your head sometime. <laughs> no, not serious. As I've mentioned previously, you can pray anywhere and at any time. You can pray in your car or in a crowd. In the mornings, I usually sit on my sofa with a cup of coffee to read and pray. 
But we can learn much from our Savior and from Paul and his team by observing that they often got alone to pray. Sometimes Jesus prayed looking up to his Father in the heavens. In his most desperate prayer, Jesus began praying on his knees in the garden, and when he was overcome with grief, he fell face down to beg for his Father's help. Here in Ephesians, we read that Paul and his team often got down on their knees and bowed in prayer together. No way is right or wrong. It's good to change it up, and it's good to let your body respond to what your heart is feeling. In my most challenging or depressing times, I have found that kneeling when I pray helps me to express my desperate dependence on my Father in the heavens. Let your body position and your attitude in prayer reflect your love and your reverence for God and your deep dependence on Him. Because we have bold access with confidence, Paul bowed and prayed to the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Prayers are very personal. We are praying to our Father whose people span the entire history of mankind. Heaven is filled with worshiping saints who have gone before us and to whom we all share a common lineage. We're all the children of God, one family from many different families and many different ethnicities, all of which are named by God himself. There's no place for prejudices in the family of God. No person is better than any other, and no family is more important than any other family. Maybe you've heard it said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That's what the Apostle Paul emphasized here. So listen to how I worded this prayer for myself and begin to pray this request along with the request for his spirit like we learned in the first kingdom come prayer from Ephesians chapter 1. Here's how I pray. Dear Father in the heavens, I ask that out of your glorious riches, you will grant me to be strengthened with power through your spirit in the core of my being, so that, Lord Jesus, you will be more at home in my heart through faith, and I will be rooted and grounded in your agape love. I ask that you strengthen me so that I will have the power to understand with other followers how wide and high and long and deep your love is, Jesus, and we'll experience it beyond just knowledge so that together we may be filled with all of your fullness. Amen. Don't hesitate to email me with any questions you have. I would definitely love to hear how this podcast is helping you. Go to my website at billsimpson.org and click the contact tab, or you can email me directly at billsimpson.org at gmail.com. Until next time, grace to you all.